0: Guys, we've got a big message today. We've got a lot to cover today. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer, and we'll get started. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for this your morning, for these your men. Raise us up and send us out. In Jesus' name, amen. I've been talking about the importance of offices, about importance of the five-fold ministry and what the fivefold ministry means for each one of us but most importantly what it means for the church because it is to equip the saints for service Ephesians 4:11 through 13 now hopefully you've you've heard these messages if you missed one like on a pastor or on a teacher or on the apostle go and listen to these messages you can look them up online they're very important for all of us to see how the church is supposed to be set up so we've got the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. Now, let me say something to you this morning, men. These are actually completely ineffective if something is not at work within them. So this is how I'm going to wrap it up today. That outside of holiness and sanctification, two big churchy words, if you will, that we're going to go go through today. Outside of those, you can be gifted, and your gift will take you Excuse me, your gift will take you so far, but just know outside of being stirred by the Holy Spirit in order to walk your calling out in your life, in order to walk your gift set out in your life, your gift will become ineffective if it has any type of effectiveness at all. So so we need to know these two things. You see, uh, holiness is basically when God is taking root in our lives, and we're being transformed into vessels that God intended us to be. And the way we get to this place known as holiness. Now, look, when you are born again, you are holy. That is true, and there. And, and we'll we'll talk about that. So it's both a now and not yet. But in that process of becoming, that process is a process known as sanctification. It means that we're weeding out the ways of the world and we're, we're allowing God to groom us for the gift set that he's given us. It's, it's how it works. And the closer our walk is to the giver, the more exposed the gift becomes. Does that make sense to everyone? This is how, this is how God works. And so we see so many church, so many pastors and teachers and evangelists fall short because, um, they walk cl- more closely to the ways of the world than they do to the ways of God. In first Peter chapter one, verse 14, Peter says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Don't you love Peter? He just gets right there. Look here. You're ignorant. That's offensive to me. Verse 15, but just as he called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. So these offices of the five-fold ministry that are being held within the church, look, it's a warning to every one of us. We should be walking near to the Lord so that we are sanctified. The rooting out of the evil desires within us should be rooted out, moving on towards this place of holiness. Yes, we are holy, but we're not a finished product. See, when my kids were born, they were immediately houses. They didn't get to choose that. We get to choose it, right? Because we go to Jesus and we're born again, like the Nicodemus experience. We're born again. But just as we are born again and sons and daughters of God, we grow with him. So my kids, as they walk with me, my values, my morals, my character, my integrity or lack of integrity will be poured out upon them. And they're going to see that, and they're going to know. And one day, I won't be around, but I hope that the house characteristics, traits, vision, and values are still left with the next generation. As followers of Christ, we should represent Christ wherever we go, whatever we do and whatever we say. We are holy, but we are also made holy as we walk and we grow in our Lord. You know, there's uh, always an attempt by the world to lead us somewhere where we shouldn't be. There's always an attempt by the world to tell us you should fight, you should be directed, you should live your life in this certain way or this certain pattern. And we have to be aware of the ways of the world because they will lead us away from our Father and into different ways of attempting to do things. You know, the the late Chief Justice Antonin uh, Scalia, and uh, I looked this up, I had remembered this statement, and I kind of had to extract in order to, to shorten his statement here. But um the reason I, I chose him is just to show you the difference of what we have today. So so some of you have, have watched um what's taken place in our United States government. You know this uh Jackson who was just uh elected katanja katanja brown katanji brown jackson into the Supreme Court and she was asked to define what a woman is and she refuses to define what a woman is however we had to have a black woman person appointed to this. Now I'm not racial at all, and if I am, I ask God would take that out. My problem is, are you constitutional? That's 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 what they need to uphold is the Constitution here. So here we're trying to find something, and 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 we're saying we've got to have this particular. Uh, here are the credentials, ethnicity, all right, and gender, and then we have one who is appointed who refuses to define gender. So it it kind of blows my mind. That's where we are today. That's that's kind of a worldly thing. Let me show you where we were with this Antonin uh, Scalia. He said, God assumed from the beginning. Now he is a justice, all right, of the Supreme Court. Many of you remember he passed away a few years ago. And he said, God assumed from the beginning that the wives of the world would view Christians as fools. And he has not been disappointed. If I have brought any message today, it is this. Have the courage to have your wisdom regarded as stupidity. Be fools for Christ have the courage to suffer the contempt of the sophisticated world. That's where we were. And that's an incredible statement right there of someone who says, I am extremely educated. I serve at the highest level according to the world. And yet I will not refuse to be faithful to my Lord. This is an important place for all of us to hear because however and whatever we're gifted in, we tend to listen to the world and say, well, you know, the world will promote my gift. No, God wants you to promote him through your gift. And that's what's so important here. First Corinthians 121, for since the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. This is an important scripture because this scripture, absolutely, we will skip over it, but it contains so much. This is what he says. God is pleased with the foolishness of those who would believe in him. You would think God would say it this way, that he would say, you know what? I am pleased with the wisdom of my children that, that walk in my way. But he says, no, I'm pleased with their foolishness because the world, to the world, they look like foolishness, but they refuse regardless of what the world is attempting to do or attempting to put on them. They refuse to bow down to anything other than me. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. So God says, uh, and, and this is the apostle Paul, but he says it this way: look, um, in all the wisdom that the world has, it does not draw them to me. I do that. I do that. So, a question that we can ask ourselves: I am a fool, I am a fool for Christ. Whose fool are you? Because uh we're we're called to be fools for God. And it reminds me of the DC talk. Uh, song years ago. Any of you remember it? Any of you know what I'm referring to? Jesus Freak. Come on, man. Y'all are too young. You don't. Okay, let's keep going. First Samuel chapter 17, you're familiar with it, familiar with this story. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. Now, just to back this up, I talk enough about David and about King Saul. King Saul is uh, the king of the Israel army. You, you know the story. Goliath has been shouting out. And finally, this little shepherd boy, David, says, I'll fight him. So King Saul so excited that someone's going to step up to the line and fight him. He says, okay, when you go out there, let me put my fancy armor on you. So he puts his armor on him and David girded his sword over his armor. Then he tried to go, but could not for he was not used to it. And David said to Saul, I cannot go with these for I'm not used to them. And David took them off. Let me tell you what Saul's armor represents. It represents the world's way to defeat the Goliath. That's what it's representing here. So here's David who has already killed a bear. He's killed a lion with a slingshot out in the field with, with probably just a little bit of camel skin on. And so they, he, the world dresses him up for battle and he's like, look, I can't even move in all of this because the world wants to tell him how he should fight, what this should look like, what he should do. But he was gifted in the fact that he walked with his Lord. You know, a gift is oftentimes wrapped and it has layers around it. I started to bring my uh, college ring and uh, have it wrapped up in a box. As a matter of fact, I have uh, a gift downstairs that's already wrapped up and everything. I was going to put it in there and then just take out all the layers and say, we have to take off all the layers in order to really get to the gift. This is exactly, and then put the ring on it. It was a gift from my mother. When I graduated college, I don't like wearing jewelry. I don't have it on very often, but on Sunday mornings, a lot of times I put it on just in memory uh, and in honor of my mother, really more so than any accomplishment, but because uh, I don't know that I learned a whole lot in college, but anyway, anyway, to say that this is exactly what's happening with David, the world said, Hey, I want to put all this stuff on you and they, and, and the Lord's saying, you don't need that. You're going to defeat uh, this giant. You have the gift of leadership. You are going to lead one day, but you got to stay as near to me without all the ruffles, without all the, the looks, without doing it the world's way. I want you to do it my way. You see, Hebrew chapter twelve, verse 12 verse 14 says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. To me, the move towards holiness through sanctification is really taking the layers off in order to expose the gift that God has placed deep within each one of us. And men, I'm telling you, every one of you has one. You might have two or three. You might be given a gift for a season, but if it has too many things wrapped around it, it will never be exposed and it will never produce fruit the way it was intended to do. The scripture refers to us as the bride of Christ. So look, our behavior must change as a result of the position we hold in our relationship with him. Now, when I say this, be careful with that statement. I started to take this out this morning because this is a very dangerous statement. Listen to me closely. The scripture refers to us as the bride of Christ. So our behavior must change as a result of the position. You got to hear the last part of that. I don't want to talk to you about behavior modification. It does not work. Our behavior changes when we recognize our position in who we are and whose we are. This is the problem with the world. They don't know who they are. And so when they see someone succeed according to worldly ways, they tend to put on more of the world's armor attempting to be successful as well. But God can make us extremely successful. I don't know by the time of David's the end of David's reign, as a matter of fact, I would be as bold to say this, if there were anyone else more wealthy in the world than David himself, and he didn't do it the world's way. He did it God's way. I love this because when we understand our position, our behavior begins to change, not because of what we do, but because of who we are. I hope you're gaining this. That's where our gifts can really Find their strength. This is when the fivefold really becomes. I, what I love about this is this is where we really see God's armor begin to surround and promote the 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 offices of the fivefold ministry. When these offices really begin to walk in holiness and really understand this gift that's been given to them and the danger of, of having it taken away or having it rewrapped and rewrapped and rewrapped according to other standards. The best thing we can do is know who we are in Christ. Image and position is everything. When you understand that you are bought, bought with a price and that you are a son of the most high God, God can do anything with you. The world will try, even religion. This is what happened with Jesus. Why he's always fighting religion. You know his problem with religion? You guys are trying to rewrap what I've already unwrapped. You're trying to put bondage on the people. This is why the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free, not to be yoked with a yoke of slavery. Quit putting the chains on them. I can remember talking to a pastor a few years ago, and this, this pastor said uh, we were talking about what we were going to preach in coming weeks, and, and uh, my question to him was, how free do you want to set the people? But we don't always do that. I mean, it's it's easy to put bondage on people because we believe if we can enslave you a little bit, you'll come back next week. And guys, that's called the gospel of sin management. And, and here's the thing. I don't want to be in the gospel about sin management or behavior modification. I know I just read a quote that says, so our behavior must change as the result of our position. But listen, as a result of our position, don't change your behavior in order to walk into a position. When you understand your position, you allow God then to help you overcome and to reroute who you are according to the world. So the gospel of sin management is this. You're all a bunch of sinners saved by grace. All you Baptists out there, I'm about to offend you. That is one of the worst statements you can make. It sounds humble. I can't do this. I'm just a sinner. I'm just saved by grace. Well, let me tell you, um, I just talked about identity. Are you going to listen to that statement? Who are you identifying with? Are you identifying with sin? Or are you identifying with the spirit? I'm a sinner. Oh, you've just claimed you're a sinner. So now, I know what John says in First John. You know, if we say we do not sin, we lie. We do not practice the truth. Yeah, I sin, but I'm not a sinner. I'm a saint. I'm a priesthood of all believers. I understand my position. And in that position, it's even in the Old Testament. You know this Proverbs. Though a righteous man falls seven times, he gets back up. You guys know this, that Jesus isn't looking to condemn the world. I mean, that's not not John 3.16. That's John 3.17. Go memorize that one. Because what Jesus is looking at doing is saying, look, I came to help. I want you to not only know who you are in me, I want you to know the gift sets that I'm imparting to you in order for my word, in order for my kingdom to be established upon this earth. Send man, a sinner saved by grace. Now, there's no doubt that we are saved by grace. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, I get that. But don't identify as a sinner, identify as a son of the most high God. This statement is still preached, like I said throughout church today. It's a statement of defeat. Since I'm just a sinner, I guess I better learn how to manage my sin. That's what it, that's that's the statement you're making. So since preachers believe it, so do the congregations. And eventually, every sermon is the same. Come back next week, and I'll tell you how to manage a different sin. Let me just put another link on your chain, and I'll tell you how to manage uh, uh, pornography next week. Or I'll tell you how to manage. Well, we don't manage sin. We overcome it. The promise is to overcomers. So here's the people... And, and by the way, there's some things that kind of come out of this thought. And most of us were raised this way. Let's be honest. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. When I was growing up, I got to move here. But when I was growing up, I literally thought, man, that if I did not confess my sin and repent right after I, I, I sinned, that I was going to hell. If I died, I was going to hell. That's how I grew up. I don't know how, how I got that theology. I mean, most of my pastors were very nice, kind-hearted men. I don't know. I couldn't even tell you the messages that were being preached from the pulpit at that time, but that's the theology I had. I just had this, this thing that God was looking to whack me and disqualify me and I was going to be out. So if I sinned, I definitely needed to get on my knees and I needed to repent. And it's true. We do need to repent. Repentance is a gift. But God wants to come in in that moment and, and, and tell you and remind you and reestablish in your heart your position. You see, look, if I think I'm going to win the world, war, do you think I'm going to fight? You're talking right I'm going to fight. Dude, I remember one time playing football when I was just a little bitty guy, but there was a guy smaller than me. And I was like, man, I'm just about to rip him in half. Why? Because he was a lot smaller. I knew it was going to happen. It just This could happen. But but here's here's the truth. See, this is what God wants us to know. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. We win. We are victorious. But you've got to recognize your position in order for these gift sets to be protected among each one of us to equip the saints for service. And when we equip the saints for service in our cabinets, in, in our positional ministry, if you will, when we equip the saints for service, we've got to tell them this, man you got to tell your families this. I don't want my children running around thinking they're defeated. I want them to run around knowing that they are victorious in the name of Jesus. You see, here's the thing. Without a healthy view of God and a healthy view of yourself, you become the haters. As a matter of fact, I believe this is why the church in America is hated so much, because most people with this type of theology are usually the ones who who really are so against sin in such a way that they they have such a sight and focused on, on sin, they don't focus on who God is and Jesus is and what he's done. And not only hating the sin will wind up hating the sinner. I have to challenge myself in this every day. Our country is frustrated with this type of Christian because they see them as mean and archaic in nature. Oftentimes the sermon is hellfire and damnation. It will contain the bullhorn preacher. Repentant, I saith, or thus saith the Lord. You've seen one of the things, uh, years ago a man came out very popular among youth groups. And he had a video uh, collection that you could get. As a matter of fact, our youth director at the time bought the video set. His name was Rob Bell. Some of you will know who I'm speaking of, and I'm calling you out, Rob. But he came out with all this, and they they uh our our youth director purchased all of his videos and they were showing them every Wednesday night. And and I had read on him and uh but I didn't really know him. I, I knew he was reformed. If he had a theology, it would have come from the re, uh a reformed theology. And anyway, I so I, I kind of watched it. Paid attention to him, but one day, uh, one night I actually went into the youth group and they were showing the bullhorn preacher, which Rob Bell put out, and uh, today he has denounced his faith altogether. You see, you know why? Because he didn't know who he was. He had a gift, powerful gift, but imagine how powerful it would have been had he walked through sanctification and holiness, had he protected that gift through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of his God. You see, if a person really does feel saved, then uh, <laughs> here's the thing. Um, in this tip-for-tat theology or this gospel of sin management, if you feel saved, you better look out because they're going to convince you you're not. <laughs> right? So it's always getting in and getting out. You know your gift will never be effective if you're always trying to make the team. When, when a gift is effective is when you know you're on the team. Then you can say, God, help me. If I'm quarterback of the team, this is what I want to do. I want to be the best quarterback out there. I want to be able to read the defense and call the plays. I want to be able to know the audible that you're putting in my ear. I'm not I'm not worried about making the team. I want to focus on my position on the team. Here's camp two. The other camp that we've taught in our theological circles and throughout our churches in the United States is the love shack. I didn't know what else to call it. As I was writing this, I was thinking of the song, You Know the Love Shack. Don't listen to that secular music. Anyway, many of us bought into this fact that because God is love, men, because God is love, there, there are no boundaries. Once you claim Jesus as Savior, which by the way, yesterday I took some time to see if I could find it written differently. Please prove me wrong on this, but I believe throughout the scriptures that I looked up yesterday that that before becoming Savior, he requires to become Lord. I think we might have it backwards, but I don't know. I'm just saying this because so oftentimes we claim Jesus as savior and then he becomes lord but throughout scripture i believe that that he's really appointed as lord all right jesus is Right and then Savior that that we have to see His Lordship, His Kingship, His uh, His uh, Messiahship, all of those things. But that's another that's another thing. We tend to say that God is love, and yes, He is, but possibly not as you suppose. Though He loves all, He is just, and He commands all. There are things that are forbidden in the body of believers, things we shouldn't do or participate in. They're not healthy. They do not represent the family nor the family values, and they don't reproduce the values and morals of our father. So so you may be born again, and and if you are born again, and I pray you are, I pray you'll go before the Lord. Look, he's given you a gift in here, but that gift will not uh, have a manifestation, much less a return if you don't get this. We walk through a process of sanctification, and as we're moving on towards holiness, he reveals some things to us. So this love shack mentality, these love shack churches. We've got to preach God's love, but know this, God disciplines those whom he loves is what Hebrews says. If you love your child, you will discipline your child because you care for them. You don't tell them, set the basketball goal up in the street and go play in the street, right? So gay marriage, big in the churches today. God made me this way. Let me say something about that. No, God didn't make you that way. The world did. You've chosen that way. Gay clergy, Big one that we fought in my previous denomination. You know, can we have the ordination of gay clergy? Any and all who feel the call should be ordained. Let me say something. No, they shouldn't. Animal rights. <laughs> I'm just offending everybody today. Some of you or some out there uh, probably feel like we stole their land. But no, <laughs> we don't choose animals over people. We are the most beloved of the Lord. We were commanded to, subdu- to subdue the earth, not to abuse it. See, they are well-meaning people, and oftentimes the ones who clothe the naked, give drink to the thirsty, feed the poor, and serve well. But here's the problem. Many times they're afraid to tell them why they do it. So they, they leave them really spiritually starved and naked. When I pray, I don't want to fall into either one of these camps because I don't want to become the religious. Jesus gives grave warning in Matthew 25. You did all these things in my name. Depart from me for I never knew you. So many in the church today live their lives in one of these wrong paradigms. Neither paradigm creates the separation necessary for the believer to be other than the people of the world. So most Christians look like this. They have a bomb vest strapped onto their bodies and the enemy is holding the detonator device. And trust me on this, at just the right moment when it will cause the most destruction, he's gonna push the button and it's gonna blow. You're gonna blow because you don't manage your sin because you can't. You've got to be with your heavenly father and he will cause you to be victorious over that sin. Biblically, there is no formula for coping with or managing sin. (laughs) Jesus cast the demon out and went on, right? He said, look, if you don't clean the house, they're going to come back. The world's going to come back. It always comes back. Fill your house with him. Biblically, you are dead to sin and alive to God through Christ. Paul says in Romans 6, 11, even so consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to, to God and Christ Jesus. You know, when I got that two days ago, when I was sitting down with my girls going over this, you don't have to manage your sin. Apostle Paul says you're dead to it. It stinks. It's bad. Doesn't mean we won't sin. Doesn't mean you won't sin. But don't try to manage it. Walk closer to the Lord. Walk through sanctifi- sanctification. Let's move towards holiness together, All right? Hebrews 12, 1. Wherefore, seeing that we're uh, that we also are compassed about with so with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily does beset us, and let us run with patience the race that God has set before us. Holy has two distinct meanings. It means to separate or set apart to be sanctified for a specific purpose. Oh, man. Okay, time's up. Let, just let me go. Five minutes. Stay with just five minutes. I know some of you gotta go and I understand that. Holy has two distinct meanings. Get those two meanings, Ephesians 1, 4. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him in his love. So here's the cool thing, men, we have help. Meaning heaven is willful, it is powerful, it's on full alert, it is ready to help. Watch this, I love this statement. Heaven is bent towards you. Heaven's bent towards you to help you. And I'm not talking about... Uh, I mean, God, yes, and God is everything and omniscient and, and omnipresent. He is there and he's bent towards you. But I want you to know something. The angels in heaven are bent towards you. We win and if we could see that wave and get a spiritual picture of what is taking place when we overcome sin, when he overcomes sin in us and we walk in this way, now he's saying that deposit of that gift set that I placed in that person is about to manifest and have a return. And it's gonna be massive, massive. So we walk in him. And as we walk in him, he, he detaches, he severs, he cuts away, he separates the armor of the world and gives us what we need. And it may just be one stone, but that's enough. It may just be one gift, man, I apologize. You just got one. I got five. I'm just kidding. I mean, David had five stones, right? But he just needed the one. And he couldn't even throw the one if he had all that armor on him. So men, just keep walking in the Lord. If I could encourage you in anything, if you want to see the apostle, the prophet, the teacher, the pastor, and the evangelist at work in the church, pray over these positions, pray over these gift sets, and watch what God does as you Walk closer and near to him. Don't do to become because you already are. Identity is the first thing. You know who you are. You watch what God does with that gift that he's deposited in you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for each one. Continue to grow us up and grow us out by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.